Hello, gentlemen, and welcome to the Bunker Galleria. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I'm very mm. excited you were able to come for, come to the opening, especially since we are the only three artists who submitted. Mm. Uh, up here first, we have my uh, piece. It is Charcoal on Parchment, mm. and it is a piece called Omnibus. Mm. Um, omnibus. Omnibus, yes, yes. I see... I see the feeling of thickness. I see. I see a, the mul many pages. a multitude of meanings, all of which are bust, though. Yeah, um, it's very uh, striking. It's striking, striking is a word that as I would, in, I would as use in for like, it. It looks heavy enough. I could strike someone with it. Yes, I was going to say it looks murderous. Yeah. All right, and up next we have Christopher's piece. Of course, this is um, sexy yet deadly. Um, and it is in ballpoint on wheat bread. Hmm. Now it appears to me this is just a drawing of a Saturn V and the moon. Yeah, that's what it looks like. But I get it. I can feel the energy. Yeah. And that big rocket energy. That BRE. I, there seems to be some mold on it. This I is, don't believe that was artist's intent. This is also a performance piece. I'm just going to... Oh, the tearing. Oh, man, that mold is strong. Mm. Mm, yeah, See, that didn't do it for me. I'm, yeah, it's lost everything for me. But Okay. Art is... I knew I should have taken my clothes off first. Yep, art is Always. something that is yes. individual. So. It's not performance art unless you take your clothes off first. Yes. If you, if you aren't naked, how will they know you're exposing yourself? Emotionally speaking. I don't know. I didn't go to art school. <laughs> uh, and Jaffer? I did. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, here we have uh, my piece, which is, of course, made out of Crayola crayon on wax paper. Yes. Yes, it's called Crayons Don't Write on Wax Paper. Wait a minute. Let me... You liar. These are rose art! Theme song. <laughs> Hello, Internet, and welcome back to Draft the Universe. This is the Nerd Fight Battle Royal. This is the podcast where we pick a topic, pick our favorites, and then fight to the death, or maybe just for bragging rights. I'm Jafar. Konnichiwa. Boko no namai ga Chris des hajimemashite. And then in English. My name is Chris. Or, sorry. Hello, my name is Chris. Nice to meet you. And I'm Ben. Hi, Ben. I, I don't... I don't have something to make me even more inaccessibly weird. Yeah, good, because boundaries are important. Yep. I need some place to practice this, and this is the only sphere in which I'm not going to get looked at weirder than I already do. Debatable, but continue. I mean, that's next episode. <laughs> I mean, I can't... So, I, I, I work as a TSR, and I in the IT field, I answer the phone, and I ask people how I can solve their problem, right? Yeah. Um, I can't... I can't ask them that in Japanese. You could, and just have them hang up on you. <laughs> That'd be a good way to get yourself back to the bottom of the queue. 
I need to I need to learn now how how to say have you tried turning it on and off again in Japanese? Moshi moshi Chris-san. <laughs> Anyways, uh, boundaries was the word I had chosen to segue on uh, before we kept going, so I'm just going to jump into that uh, because we're talking about paintings. Yes, which is a form of art. Nigh defined by its boundaries, as in the edge of a canvas. Ooh, so funny you should say that. That is a contentious fucking point about painting. <laughs> well, the, I mean, I would say that I'm not I'm not discounting things that go off of the canvas or are not on canvas, um, but rather that it is a way to define a painting. <laughs> I'm just so this is a, this is a jerk. Uh, sorry, a joke that only artists will get, or a jerk, as I just tried to combine those yeah, words. A jerk. It's a jerk. A joke that only artists will get. Um, the whole like thrust of like from Renaissance painting up until abstract expressionism was reducing painting down to the minimum of what you could consider it to be painting, including like a painting is something on a canvas that does not suggest three-dimensional space in any way. Um, so like it's, yeah, like I said, only, only art nerds will have laughed at what you've just said, but it was pretty funny. Yeah. Trying to define what painting Mm. is has been a thousands of year process for art. I'm aware. Well, (laughs) it's almost like I lived with artists throughout all of college. (laughs) I feel more like defining what painting was, was kind of established. And then about 150 years ago, people decided to start getting real weird with it. Um, (laughs) After like, there was a while and then everybody's like, wait, we can do depth (laughs) and create a fake point of point of field. And then everybody's like, let's get real weird with it now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean that that's definitely (laughs) happened in phases and what we consider to be real weird with it now is not what was considered to be real weird with it at the start of those phases. So let's just say that, um, for the, for the sake of our conversation here, painting before the Renaissance is like painting before they figured out how to do three-dimensional spaces and figured out how to like depict things very realistically, right? That develops through the Renaissance. And then immediately following the Renaissance, you have um, what are known as the Pre-Raphaelites who essentially say, hey, you know all that like realistic bullshit? Fuck that. Yeah, and we they, want pizza. They, they, they start <laughs> essentially... Go- we do machines. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Cheryl jokes, right? That's that's what we're. There's here no for. way we're getting out of a, a episode about painting without some Ninja Turtles jokes. Absolutely. No, you're you're correct. I almost thought about drafting a sculpture simply because it would have fit into a gambit where I drafted something by each of the Ninja Turtles, um, but cause, but um, I think it's Donatello. Might be Raphael. No, it's not Raphael. It's. I think Donatello has like a sculpture called the um, Ecstasy of Saint Teresa, um, which is like the raciest sculpture you've ever seen. That is, you know, six hundred years old. Chris, you'll know this. At what point did they stop drawing babies as just tiny people? Oh, in it's, like it's Bernini. Sorry, uh, very uncomfortable proportions. It's like have none of you painters ever seen a baby? <laughs> They do not look like just a <laughs> tiny person. <laughs> it was, um, so how to draw babies took <laughs> hundreds of years to develop. I know. And it's so weird. It's so weird. But like by, by the mid Renaissance, they had mostly figured it out. Um, and then of course, 
after the Renaissance, you have the Dark Ages, where they immediately went back to drawing babies as tiny people. Dark Ages was before the Renaissance. Renaissance was the end of the quote-unquote Dark Ages. Oh, sorry. I'm yeah. I was mixing up my epochs. They also figured out how to draw babies in the uh, like the the classical period before the Renaissance. Also, for everybody who doesn't, you know, basically for Keith, Middle Ages. We don't call them the Dark Ages anymore because the guy who coined the phrase term Dark Ages considered anything post Rome the Dark Ages. It had nothing to do with the. Yeah the fracturedness of the low middle ages and the loss of knowledge. It was just not as cool as Rome. Yeah. Also, there's like, I've met that guy. There's a, (laughs) there's a theory out there that the dark ages didn't happen. Yep. (laughs) Which is great. Um, the, the middle ages, the middle ages. Yeah. They're like, I believe there's like 400 years of history that was just made up by the Pope or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, like, not without precedent. There are times where we have determined, like, through, like, very hardcore archaeology and historiography that somebody has done that to the, the world history. Like, we've had to constantly, like, reassign how many years ago something happened just because of this. Like, it was very common for somebody to come into power and then say, oh, yes, I have ruled for a hundred years because I am a god. Well, also, we, you, uh, you run into problems of non-standardized uh, dating, where, like, the Roman Empire did not have years since founding. It was always just year, year one of Emperor so-and-so's reign. Yeah. And then you get into weird situations where you get the year of the four emperors, and then the year <laughs> of the five emperors, and the year of the six emperors. And what do you call that year? <laughs> you, ca- you call it ripe for Hollywood to re- to take that story and make something fun about it. Oh man, those <laughs> stories are insane, and they're in some cases really funny and sad and tragic. Oh, where yeah. like somebody off in some corner of the the world just hears like the emperor is dead. Now's my chance. I call forth my legions and I show up to Rome, and somebody else already took over, and I'm now outnumbered five to one, and I could have just stayed home. But now I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but paintings. Yes. But <laughs> paintings. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I feel real bad for Otho. He just happened to be the first guy to show up in Rome. And then like two other would-be emperors showed up. And he was just super outnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very, very excited for paintings. Uh, I know I have a niche that is the stuff that I like. And I'm going to be drafting from the stuff that I like. And I'm not well-versed. I have seen, you know, I've been to some really nice art museums, but I've only been exposed to what I've been exposed to, and I like what I like. Fair enough. Is that a, well, way, of, is that a way of, like, prefacing that you're about to take five Thomas Kincaid paintings? No, Please but <laughs> I, I, I know I like uh, Impressionists. I know I like uh, modern, like pre-modern art. So, like, I don't know what the name of it is, but just describe or give me an artist, and I can tell you what it's called. <laughs> basically, stuff that's before what we would consider deconstructionist modern art, where it's we're trying to accurately paint things that happened. Okay. 
So I mean, it would like de- it would depend. Eighteen hundreds. Yeah, eighteen hundreds. Okay, so like romanticism. Yes. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, I, on the other hand, uh, Chris, are you going to get weird with it? <laughs> I just might. Um, I don't want to give away too much because I think I'm going in on a gambit uh, to take exclusively paintings from my favorite painter. Um, but I am a fan very much of the uh, deconstruction of art. Um, I really enjoy like how art past World War I um, went through like a dramatic transformation where every 10 years was the equivalent to um, like literally 50 or 100 years before. You saw such rapid development of things, such like uh, cataclysmic changes going on. I'm also a huge fan of the Impressionist because that was like before uh, the, you know, like modern thrust of art. That was the same thing. It just uh, was a <clears throat> generational movement from, you know, like a dedication to the academic model of painting where everything was very realistic to the Impressionists, which were all about like painting life as it is instead of life as you imagine it to be. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've talked a little bit about paintings. It's time to start picking them. Mm. Ben, you've got the first pick. I do have the first pick. And if it's Thomas Kincaid, I will stab you from across the table. <laughs> uh, it is not. Okay. From the pits of hell, he will stab at thee. <laughs> um, it's true. I'm actually going to go with uh, the first. Uh, I'm going to go with the... Uh, Lubang Jerry Sale Bull. It is the first known painting. Really? Yep. It is a cave painting from Indonesia. It is a bull that was painted 40,000 years ago. Ooh. Nice. Now, if I wanted to buy that piece, what kind of cost am I looking at? Uh, well... I'm sure it's a protected uh, national treasure at this point. Well, you'd also... Uh, the well, we, pr- we don't... We don't... So the price of that. a plane ticket and some chisels. <laughs> um... Uh, plus the overweight luggage bill when you get back. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're in the art theft industry or business, this, you've got people for this. you got chisel people. <laughs> yeah. What I'm trying Talk to, to your chisel guy. What I'm trying to do is get a quote for somebody to steal me this painting. Because it's the first, which means it's the most collectible of all, and I must have it. It's the first first edition painting. Yes. No prints. Limited run. Uh-huh. There's probably photographs of it, but that's... Oh, I'm there sure are. There's... And we could talk literally for an entire episode about how photographs changed, fundamentally changed the nature of painting. Mm-hmm. In which, more than we, we could. We could, but we won't. Instead, <laughs> but this Chris, is actually, well, it's your, Oh, go ahead, Ben. It's a, it's a painting of a bull. It's actually... Some early cave paintings are abstract to the point where we kind of have to guess about what they're drawings of, but... This looks like what we would consider to be a bull today, which, you know, 40,000 years ago, you never know quite what a bull looked like, uh, how it's changed over the last, you know, millennia, Mm -hmm. but the bull still looks like a bull today, and it's it's a cool connection to, you know, millennia of uh, human ancestries. Cool. Well, I I will have it. Um, If you're not first, you're last. Um, but 
since it's my pick and I can't take the very first painting, um, I'm going to go with probably the single most well-known painting and arguably, uh, well, not arguably, and obviously this is up for argue, right? Because like there are a very large number of paintings. Mm-hmm. Ter- a lot. There's, there's a lot of paintings. In terms of the number of paintings, there's there, more than seven. There is quite a bunch. Yes. Enough where we could formulate a draft pool of at least 15. Yes. Without having to worry about overlap. So I'm going to take, um, I would say, one of the first paintings to be an object of pop culture. Um, you've seen this painting um, relentlessly modified and parodied, um, including on The Simpsons, which have done an impressive amount of parodying or satirizing paintings uh, over the years. Um, I'm going to take The Persistence of Memory by Salvador Dali. Um, now, you're probably... You, you know this painting. You might not know the title of it. This is the Melting Clocks painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I would not what I would have, Lobster Phone. Not <laughs> what I would have guessed as the most famous painting. I think Lobster Phone is a sculpture. It is. It's yes. not a painting. <laughs> um, also, I'm very surprised, Chris. I thought for sure you were going to take the covers of uh, Marvel X-Men comics and do a Gambit Gambit. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, perhaps... Jafar now has time to change up his list. Yeah, let me. <laughs> can, can we pause for some research real quick? <laughs> but yeah, Salvador Dali is um, probably the most well-known of the surrealist painters um, from about the 1930s onward. Um, and he is just a work of art in and of himself. Like, from a very young age, he formulated his persona to be a complement to his art. Mm-hmm. The interviews that are done with him and people's, like, random remembrances of him are fantastic. Um, I will tell you my favorite story of Salvador Dali after my next pick. Well, uh, I, after that pick, I will channel my inny, inner uh, Louis Armstrong and say, Hello, Dali. Well, hello, Dali. It's so nice to have you back where you belong. That was an impressive, um, yeah, that was Im- impersonation. That was better than I could do. <laughs> Does this mean you're an impressionist now? Oh, <laughs> so uh, we've got the first painting. We've got one of the most famous paintings, and I feel like before we get out of the top three, we need a representation from the world's most famous painter. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a couple mo- names that can come to mind here, but when you say Leonardo da Vinci, oh, it's okay. it's pretty much for, the, the end-all be-all. For a second, I thought you were going to um, go with Bob Ross, but okay. I thought you were going to go James Enzor. So, I don't know who that has been. Yeah. He's Belgium's most famous painter. Oh, okay. They might be giants who wrote a song about him. Me, James Enzo, Belgium's famous painter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so Leonardo da Vinci is, I don't think it's a stress to say, uh, stretched rather to say that the most famous painter who's ever lived. Um, I would agree. Just, if not, <laughs> if not the most famous, then in the top three of anyone's list collectively... I would, yeah, I mean, I'd argue that he is known for, he is known for other things more than he is known for painting. 
Well, I um, mean, I think that but, but the yes. Mona Lisa and The Last Supper would disagree with you there. Those are two of the most famous paintings of all time. Yeah. Mona Lisa's if, fame is, is relatively newfounded, and I would argue that if you go back like 90 years, it would be Michelangelo, but I, I agree with you that Da Vinci is probably the most famous painter now. Yeah. Yes. If you were to ask somebody today, here in 2007, what are 10 paintings you know, two of them would be The Last Supper and uh, uh, The Mona Lisa. Yeah. It's it, it's not 2007, Ben. Oh. I, there's a little time on the Draftmaster right here. Okay, what time is it? It's November 22nd, 2019. Okay. Wait, November? Yeah, right now. That's today. It's not November. That's... It, huh. I can't, it can't be November. It no, because we haven't done our Halloween special yet. Yeah, we haven't had a Halloween yet. That's weird. Hmm. Okay. We should look into this. Well, it's sometime between 2007 and November 2019. Yes. Cool. That's not for now. That's for later. Cool. Um, but what is for now is my pick. Yes. Which is Leonardo da Vinci's... I'm not... Uh, it's definitely not his most famous painting, mm -hmm. uh, but it is a very famous painting by him, and it's, of all of his paintings, my favorite, which is St. John the Baptist. Oh, okay. Yes, that is. A, I like that one. Is yeah. that the one with his head on the table? Um, no-ish. Okay. He's, like, kind of, like, curvy, like, like, he's at an angle, but he's not, doesn't have his head on table. Oh, okay. No, That's there's, it. there is a painting of... Uh, uh, Herod being given the head of Pontius or of uh, uh, John the Baptist. Oh, it's a very famous, like a famous painting that I had seen. Uh, yeah, it's um with his daughter yes. dancing with the head. What's her, yes. what's her name? I don't recall. Calliope? No, that's Greek. Fuck. I should know her name. She's famous. Uh. Yes. Okay. Regardless. Um. So now that that's out of the way. Uh, I've got another pick here to start off the second round, mm -hmm. and I'm going to take a painting that is probably the most newsworthy painting of the last several years. Um, there was quite a stir um, when this <laughs> painting was uh, sold. Oh, sold. Okay. I, I thought you were going to take the Monkey Jesus painting. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, this, this painting was recently sold mm -hmm. and uh, consequently altered. Yes. And it was quite a stir. I'm taking Banksy's uh, Girl with Balloon shredded. <laughs> that, yes. So, <laughs> which is, I believe, the current title of the painting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more half shredded. <laughs> yeah. Which I actually really appreciate, like, I think it's super cool. I know the plan, like, I've, I've listened to a documentary or something, the plan wasn't to have it stop where it did. Yeah. It was supposed to shred completely. I really like it hanging two-thirds out of the frame shredded. I think it's a really cool effect. Yeah. Um, and I know it's not artist's just, intention, but just, I think Just also the concept that a painting, well, yes, it's a, it's a painting. It's a, yeah, that that yeah, one's that's definitely a, a painting. Yeah, that's a painting. Well, <laughs> technically, all that Banksy does is paint. It's just like it's spray paint, which yes. Yeah. Okay, that painting <laughs> sold for a couple of million dollars. 
Yeah. And then immediately tried to destroy itself. <laughs> yeah. And as that soon tickles as it's me. Sold. <laughs> that tickles me on the inside. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm all about it. Um, when it happened, I laughed for about 10 minutes and just went, that's perfect, Banksy. I appreciate you. Yeah. Um, I, I hung up the phone. I appreciate uh, the underlying then, uh, message that down. nobody can earn uh, or nobody can uh, own a Banksy. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Did you just say you hung up the phone? What? No, that'd be ridiculous. That would be implying that I was speaking to Banksy. Is it Benedict Cumberbatch? It's Benedict Cumberbatch, I right? I can't say anything about that. Chris. It has to be Benedict Cumberbatch. But what I can do is tell you that it's your pick. My pick. Um, yeah, so... <clears throat> Salvador Dali... <laughs> um, mm, I'm, I'm feeling a gambit coming on. History's John Water. Waters. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, what I appreciate about, appreciate about Salvador Dali is that... Usually, there is a... Okay, so you ask, what is this painting about, right? Before um, Impressionists, you'd say, the painting is of something, right? Mm -hmm. After the Impressionists, you're like, well, this is a painting of, like, an object. Maybe not a subject, but an object. You start getting, like, some development. Further down the line, does this painting have a subject? Yes or no? And Dolly, that question just can't be answered. <laughs> it's like, um, what is this painting about? Is it about anything? You can't trust Dolly's answer on it because the artist explaining the artwork is part of the art itself. It's not an explanation. His entire life served to like title and provide context for his work. Um, and so... I can't truly describe the contents of the hallucinogenic Toreador, except to say that you can see a Toreador in this painting, even though there is no Toreador in the painting. There's also several versions of the Venus de Milo, um, a lot of ants and weird things, and that's and there's a, there's a lot and there's a lion painted in the the corner of it. That's I can't really tell you more than that. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I'm going to take that one. Um, Google that shit, internet. Google that shit. Um, it's Maybe what, in the comments of this we will post a picture of all of our... Oh, yeah, yeah. We can do that. That'd be nice um, if we remember. <laughs> Maybe we can get our social media manager to handle that. <laughs> but, yeah. The, uh, the hallucinogenic Toreador is one of my favorite Dolly paintings just because it's, like, it's so abstract that you can pretty much see any meaning you want to in it. That's kind of what I like about a lot of, of Dolly paintings. They're kind of Rorschach um, ink blots. You can find your own meaning in them. He definitely has meanings. And mm-hmm. he definitely had his own approach, which is called the paranoiac critical approach. He is a beyond a pretentious artist when it comes mm-hmm. to this shit. Um, my favorite Salvador Dali story is somebody once saw him in a hotel they were walking down the hallway towards their own room, and Salvador Dali stepped out of the, his hotel room, turned and noticed that somebody else was there, walked backwards through the door, closed it, and then came out again with a tiny silver bell. He rang it and then returned to his room. 
Yeah. Uh, I can understand why you love that. Now I understand why all of my picks are pre-1900. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recently had a very similar um, experience. I was in New Orleans, or at least what I think was New Orleans, uh, for the Southern Decadence uh, Pride uh, Festival. I was not there for that. I happened to be there during it. It was my brother's um, bachelor party, which was kind of... Yeah, which uh, I mean... The Southern Decadence Pride Festival seems like a great place to have a bachelor party. <laughs> Just, I'm sure there were many of them there. I, I got to see the pride the, the pride parade that happened, and the very first thing that happened is that a golf cart came down the street, and as it went past, somebody went, is that Jeff Goldblum? And it was. It was fucking Jeff Goldblum in a golden shirt. And there was no, like... He was not making a big deal. Like, it wasn't like, and here's our grandmaster or MC of the parade, Jeff. It was just Jeff Goldblum on the back of a golf cart. And I looked at him and I was like, is that Jeff Goldblum? And he met my eyes and he was like, yes, it is Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> From Law and Order Criminal Intent? <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah. And, and nothing else. That was, I was, and the league. <laughs> I'm usually pretty quick on my feet. I was so taken aback by this that I didn't get a picture of it, but he tweeted that he was at that parade. So it is verified. All right. Okay. Well, and you got two. I went with, uh, for my first pick, I went with the first painting. Um, now I'm going to go with my favorite painting. Yeah. Uh, this is a painting I own a copy of. I have been fortunate enough to see it in real life, and I love it. Um, it is uh, Arrival of the Normandy Train, Guerre Saint-Lazare, by Claude Monet. I love Monet. Monet is my favorite painter, hands down, and Arrival of the Normandy Train is... It, it cemented what I think art is. Um, it was the painting that I saw that I loved so much that I'm just like, this is this is art. This is what I want art to be. Um, Have you seen any of the lilies? Yes, at the same uh, at the same exhibit. I also saw the lilies. Nice. How many? Because there are two hundred and fifty. I believe there there was. A room of them, and they were the big ones. Oh yeah, I've saw. I seen. I saw a cut. Eh. I saw a couple of the big ones at a art museum in St. Louis, and they are fucking striking. You don't anticipate it just seeing them on the on the on the internet. Mm -hmm. That's like one thing I think that like there are some purists who insist that like painting cannot be represented through photography, and it, usually I don't agree with them. I think that like. Photography has, dem you know, democratized art to a really great extent. It's brought it mm -hmm. to people's homes. I mean, you can you can have both. Yeah. Um, photography has been great for spreading art mm -hmm. throughout time in both preservation yep. and also in culture. And also, it can't be fully experienced through a photograph, mm -hmm. especially depending on when the photograph was taken and, like, the type of photography that was used and, like whether or not it could actually have the same colors, mm -hmm. if it could pick up brush stroke. There's all kinds of factors that can play into, just technologically speaking, mm -hmm. the photo not being able to properly represent well, a painting. And it goes the other way, too. Um, there are f there are cameras now that can represent... Uh, can 
take photographs of paintings in far greater detail than you can see in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like anytime you see the Mona Lisa, you see it um, like full screened. Like you've probably seen the Mona Lisa on a movie screen, you know, 10 or 20 feet high, right? Mm, yeah. The Mona Lisa is like a small. foot. It's yeah. like a foot. It's very small. Um, and so most people have seen the Mona Lisa in greater detail than you would actually see it were you to go to the Louvre. And then in addition to that, if you went to the Louvre, there's only like a one in four chance you actually would see the real thing because they have copies, which are just as good. Um, but yeah. Uh, but anyway. What, what I was going to say, yeah. though, is that when you turn the corner and you see those lilies for the first time, you fully comprehend the fact that he was going blind when he was doing them because the brushstrokes are so big and, like, the entire thing, like, once you get close up, just loses all definition. Mm -hmm. And you start to understand that, like, this was a a thing where he would, like, have to, like, like go back, squint at it, go in, make a a stroke with a giant brush. There was a water lily right there on that wall. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I I have several Monet prints because I adore Monet. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going, though. I realize that we are getting way long-winded on this. Clearly, we all care a great deal about art. Let's just get through the rest of our picks. <laughs> Less artsy, more fartsy, as they say. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of my favorite things that art can do, uh, especially in the pre-photography era, is capture a moment. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I feel like Modern art they were able to get away from that was because we had photography to capture moments and events. You didn't have to have people, you know, painting history as it happens as a form of cataloging it. And there is a great painting uh, by uh, Leon Morel Fatio, probably butchering that, that portrays one of my favorite moments in history. It is the painting uh, Capture of the Dutch Fleet, which shows the one time uh, uh, a cavalry charge was uh, committed against a navy. Uh, The Napoleonic French armies uh, rode across the frozen uh, uh, bay to capture the Dutch fleet uh, frozen in harbor. (laughs) And uh, so the cavalry successfully charged and captured the Dutch navy. (laughs) And it is a really cool, striking uh, painting. Lots of blues. You really get the, you know, the feeling of being out there on this cold, uh, frozen harbor where everybody's just kind of like, this is a thing that just happened. Like, nobody really fought and died for this. All the sailors were just like, I can't believe we're being charged by horses. And the, the cavalry were like, I can't believe we're charging a battleship. <laughs> can we get that artist's name again real quick, just so everyone can Google that if they'd like? Uh, Leon uh, Morel Fatio. M-O-R-E-L-F-A-T-I-O. All right. Chris, it's to you. <clears throat> um, yeah, so... One of the things I really like about Dolly is that he... Oh, no. (laughs) He's got a gambit. Let him have it. (laughs) He came back to paintings, like, constantly and did um, revisions or, like, alterations of them. Uh, And uh, one of his most famous of which is, you know, his his most famous painting is arguably The Persistence of Time. And uh, he did another version later on, which is called The Disintegration of the Persistence of Time. 
Um, and it is uh, really funny. Um, well, funny if you think about it. It's not outright funny, but it is a really interesting take on an artist's like most you know, famous work years later. I really enjoy it. All right. So I've got three picks left, and I've got one painting that we we haven't had any Van Gogh. That's true. And I can't I can't let that continue. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go ahead and take um, Starry Night over the Rhone. Great painting uh, from Vincent Van Gogh. I just get that out of there right now. Um, this is not to be confused with the other famous uh, Starry Night painting. This is actually a different painting. Um, if you only know the one... This is the other one. This is the other one. Google it. <laughs> I I like it a lot. It's a very, very beautiful painting. Now, is it Van Gogh or Van Gogh? Um, well, it's definitely not Van Gogh. Okay. I'm legitimately asking. I had heard, like, oh, in the Dutch it's I was Van just Gogh. making a Star Trek joke. Um, so I believe that in the, in like, I, cause I think he's Dutch. Yeah. Right? Yes. In, in Dutch, it would be Van Gogh. Yeah. yeah. And if he was Welsh, it would be Van Gogh. Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he usually doesn't get me. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. So time to get weird with it. Ooh. Chris already has that market yeah. cornered, but he doesn't. Um, he's taken... I mean, Dolly is weird. Yes. I'm not going to say otherwise, um, but we've been taking actual paintings oh this entire draft. Oh, okay. And it's time to start to steer away from that. So my next pick is all of those portraits of your pet has a military general. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, this is a thing on the internet. This, people paint their pets but they're like the president or an FBI agent or something weird that a pet is definitely not doing. And there's a subset of them where people paint pets as historic military generals. So it'll and be like I your am, pug on the white, the white horse rearing Napoleon. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, this is, this is all over the place I'm and I'm 100% here for it. I've seen some, some photo or not so fo some, um, Paintings of monkeys as like Napoleonic generals, um, yeah, um, or, or like is, in Victorian garb. This is similar. Yeah, yeah this is dogs the same basic. It's typically dogs and cats, yeah. um, because nobody but the bare naked ladies has a pet monkey. Um, so, but haven't you always wanted a monkey? I mean, wanting a monkey and having a monkey are yes. separate things. And to teach it to smoke, duh. Yep. So, um, now that we've got that obligatory Clerks animated reference out of the way, Chris, it's your pick. Okay. Hello, Dolly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, for my next pick, I'm going to pick a um, another Dali painting. Surprise, surprise. Um, I'm going to take L'Origine du Monde by Gustave Courbet, which is now made by Salvador Dali. Now and forever, amen. What? Okay. You're going to have to explain this. You can't just sit there and look smug. You are not Salvador Dali. You can't pull this off. 
So the painting L'Origine du Monde, or The Origin of the World, by Gustave Courbet, is a very important painting in the history of, like, the very early history of the Impressionists. Mm -hmm. Um, Courbet was, like, the pre-Impressionist painter who painted in the academic style, but he painted real life. Instead of just, like, very sterilized models, um, if you want to look it up, go ahead. I warn you, this painting is very graphic. Um, oh, yeah, it is. This painting, Whew. yes, this painting, even by today's standards, is very graphic. And it is about 200 years old. It's almost 200 years old. Okay. Um, it is a fantastic, it is a fantastic painting in terms of technical ability. He was one of the most proficient painters of his time, but in choosing to draw on sources of life outside of the approved ga- academic, um, uh, like, you know, like still lifes, historical subjects, um, you know, like nudes with tastefully hidden pubic hair. Mm. Um, he decided to draw the origin of the world or where all of us come from, which is a vagina. We are all born into this world. Um, it's not a pretty sight when that happens, right? Like, don't, don't shame the miracle I'm not, of birth. I'm not shaming the miracle of birth. Also, I'll, don't shame those of us who were born by C-section. Okay, fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, Some or, of us go on to be emperors. <laughs> yeah. Or, we you are, know, maybe... You're a clone or a robot. There's there's options here, Chris. Okay, so poor choice of words. Which I, what I should say is that... Um, Statistically speaking. <laughs> <laughs> you either so, were born from a vagina or are a clone or a robot or a C-section or other. <laughs> so the image of femininity that is presented throughout art history is one of being delicate and fragile. This is a picture of the feminine as a very solid and um, uh, firm force, one that gives birth, one which creates, um, not something that is, you know, like delicate, like a flower, but is more um, like the fertile soil of the earth, right? So I need to share, because I googled this painting when you started talking about it, Yeah. and the top result was not the painting, but was rather a duvet of the painting. (laughs) Yes, I I want it so bad. (laughs) So, and now my Google search history is fucked. Yep. Thanks, Chris. So, <laughs> how is this act in any way related to Salvador Dali? Um, because I am claiming it for Salvador Dali, and from now on, it was done by Salvador Dali. Mm. Okay. I don't think that's how... Mm. Do you... I mean, do you think that you get to tell Salvador Dali what he can and can't do? I would like to. Um, I would like to say, please don't make that Dune movie. It sounds like absolute shit. Dude, that movie would have been great. It would no, no. It would have pissed off movie people. It would have pissed off Dune people. The only person who would have enjoyed that film is Salvador Dali and you. Uh, And Alejandro Jodorowsky. Oh, yes. Alejandro Jodorowsky would have loved that movie as well. (laughs) I'm pretty sure David Lynch would have loved it. No, David Lynch would have been like, this is kind of weird even for me, dog. Mine at least had a narrative. And I I read the cliff notes of Dune. Salvador Dali did not even read Dune before he plotted his Dune movie, which is why it ends up with... It's not him. Like, that's not his movie. Well, he he were or he plays the emperor, and, and his yeah. portion of the film, he was allowed to essentially improvise the script. Yes, and he but w- yeah. he, that he is 
a single character. It is not um, Dali's Dune. It is Jodorowsky's Dune. Right. Yeah. Now, yes, I agree with you, but I believe that it would have been a monumental art film for the time, and I think that it would have, at the very least, exerted an influence on sci-fi into the future, which would have given us something dramatically different uh, than the, like, boxy, gray, Star Wars-inspired, which is not always bad. Like, Galactica is definitely in this camp, but, like, we would have gotten something much different. It would have... I think that it would have shaped the way that we view science fiction, um, which Dune should do. Dune should shape science fiction. Dune is not what you think of when you think of science fiction. Do we have any Dune news? Uh, I would they, ask you. Not since they finished, they wrapped shooting. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's gonna, there's going to be some downtime until we get a trailer now. Yeah. And I would, I would counter that anything that movie would have done, 2001 did better. Because it was at least in some way accessible. <laughs> yeah. Art is not always for the purpose of being accessible, Ben. If, if, if it doesn't reach an audience, has it actually achieved anything? And this is why I am not an art major. I have a bachelor's of science. <laughs> because I believe there is truth in the universe. And this stuff it confuses and confounds me. <laughs> Okay, so are we back to me? We are. All right, bringing it on home. Okay. Ah, I could just do more Monet, because goddamn I love Monet. That's uh, great. But I'm going to go with one of my uh, my other favorite paintings of a, uh, of a moment in history, and it is also a cavalry charge. I'm going to take uh, the... Uh, Charge of the Light Brigade? Nope, I'm going to take uh, the painting Scotland Forever, with an exclamation point, ah. uh, painted by uh, Lady Butler. It is a uh, depiction of the charge of the uh, Royal Scots Greys at the Battle Battle of Waterloo. And if you've ever wanted to imagine what it's like to be charged down by a company of cavalry, this is about as close as you get. Um <laughs> It is. I've never wondered that. Well, no, but, like, <laughs> the only people who get to see that are normally shortly after killed by a mess of cavalry. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it is uh, a fascinating, uh, you know, beautiful depiction. Every single member of the cavalry charge has, you know, a, a face of, you know, fear and anger and determination. And the horses are all, you know beautifully captured in motion and it is a magnificent piece all right last pick ben okay let me write that down okay uh and for my last painting uh i'm going to Dang it. Um, I'm, I'm really torn right here. Are you burnt? Uh, I might be. Oh no. What happened? Uh, I'm having a hard time picking between two paintings. Well, you should probably pick the one you like the least. 
I sense some gamesmanship. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit older now, and I'm going to go uh, with a paintings a painting by uh, Jacques Louis David, uh, the Oath of the Horati. Uh, this is a painting that I'm sure you have all seen. Yep. Uh, it is the famous fa- painting of uh, how, how to not hold three swords. <laughs> yes, uh, it is a father holding up the son, uh, the swords for his sons, who are all giving the Roman salute, which uh, <laughs> at the time did not have the connotations it does now. <laughs> um, and when it was painted in uh, 1784, also was only just the Roman salute. It also doesn't really look like okay, so. Just, just for people who don't understand, the that Ro- was co-opted by the Nazis. <laughs> it was co-opted by the Nazis. The Nazis tend to do it like a little bit higher. Yes. Um, you know, Romans but, more ninety degrees. Yeah, Romans more ninety degrees. You in the painting, you really don't see it so much. Like it is, that's what it is. But you kind of see them as just like all like reaching, reaching out hand, for their swords, reaching yeah. their hands out to like make an oath or to like yeah, reaching for their swords. Uh, but it is a uh, a beautiful, famous painting of a fascinating piece of. Uh, Roman uh, myth where uh, at the founding of Rome these three brothers battled the uh, three champions of a rival city uh, as a way of hey we're not going to have a war we'll just send our three best and you send your three best and uh, the the three Roman brothers struck out and uh, two of them died and the last one had to single-handedly defeat the the three uh, opponents uh and my favorite part of it is in the corner, there is a, a woman crying because uh, she is watching her three brothers leave, and she is also betrothed to one of the uh, brothers from the neighboring city, and so she knows no matter what happens, she's losing today. Yeah. Um, and so it's not just about the gallantry and the, the duty of the men, but it is also how it is impacting everyone else. All right. Very cool. Chris, last pick. Last pick. This one is easy for me because all this, although this is not as well known as um, others, it's like pretty much my favorite Dali painting. It is a very minimal painting. Um, I'm going to take Woman with Flower Head. Why does she have a flower head? Does she smell nice? Heh. <laughs> It's a vagina thing, right? No. I, I, I just assume that... I mean, it's, it's... Oh, that one's actually... Yeah, okay. It's a woman with a flower head. I mean, I assumed as much. When I said, does she smell nice, that was a pun. Yes. I think the pun would be more, how does she smell? Yeah, I mean... Because she doesn't have a nose, but she smells nice because she's got a flower head. Fair enough. Trust, trust me to break down the puns on this podcast. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I got out of my own lane there. I'm really sorry. Forgive me sometime. <laughs> All right. Well, it's the last pick. And so far, every painting we've taken has actually existed. And I don't think it'd be Draft the Universe unless we had something that didn't exist in our draft pool. Oh, boy. Uh, so I'm going to take probably the most famous fictional piece of art. And I know what you're thinking, Ben. No, 
It's not Data's painting of the Enterprise hallway, or his one that's the boxes and lines that's basically Mondoran's evolution. I, I was wondering if you were about to take horse playing saxophone. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> pronounced Mondrian, just for the art nerds. Okay, yeah. well, thank you for that. Um, no, I am taking Picard's awful painting that Data reacts to. <laughs> <laughs> No, nor am I taking anything by former President George W. Bush, um, which if you've seen his... Those uh, are real, and those also very good. Yeah. He's a good painter. He just Are uh, you taking did... an original Hitler, Jaffer? <laughs> no, because those also actually exist, and why would you think? I would, you know what? Also, I'm just going to edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 I, no. No, 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 that's getting edited out, we're moving on. No, I want to enter into the canon the idea that taking an original Hitler might be... The way of describing taking a really nasty poop. <laughs> well, it's also a joke from It's Always Sunny, where they find out a painting in their apartment is an original Hitler. <laughs> of course they do in that show. Of course they do. No, I'm taking the picture of Dorian Gray. Oh... Thank you for our first sponsor this week. Check out FactoryDirectCarAudio.com. It's your online source for speakers, radios, remote start systems, and more. And you can use the promo code DTU20 for 20% off at checkout. Yep, they're actually giving us a promo code. It's our first promo code. I'm very, very excited. But not only are we doing that... They are helping us give away one free pair of EB300 Bluetooth earbuds and microphone. That's an $80 value. If you want to be entered for a chance to win, like, comment on, and share this episode. We're going to be running this for the next couple of weeks, so please feel free to take advantage of this. Let everybody know about us, and we'll enter you in to wear a free pair of earbuds. And you can feel free to use that offer code DTU20 for 20% off at FactoryDirectCarAudio.com. I have a little bit of a surprise. Um, Is it the envelope we forgot about at the end of last episode? Is it holding an original Dolly? Mm. Is it holding an original Hitler? Now Jafar can't cut it out. It's it's okay. So it's not the first one. Yes, I can. It's not the last one. Maybe it's the second one. So I have a, I have a surprise. Um, I didn't want to reveal this beforehand just because I didn't want to influence your guys's picks. Um, but the commissioner sent me a message last night after they heard that we were drafting paintings, and I know that you guys pushed back and we didn't record this in the hall of hosts. I understand. It's a little unnerving. I thought we were going to do the, the debate there. Um, so, the commissioner has generously offered to procure all of the paintings that we have just drafted and to put on an art show in the Hall of Hosts. Okay. All right. I'm excited for it. I'm really excited to see the picture of Dorian Gray. Well, I mean, assuming that it still exists... Well, wouldn't it now be slashed and just a painting of a, a, a creepy old guy? I believe so, yeah. Depending on when. I mean, I guess the book isn't that specific. Unless. Unless. Unless you drafted the idea of a 
picture of Dorian Gray, and what you are going to find instead is a portrait of yourself with which you'll begin to have a Benjamin Button-style affair. I'm going to have an affair with myself? Or it'll just be the book. Affair like a goings-on. It's a really weird book. It's yeah, neat, it though. Uh, any honorable mentions? I know I have some. Um, yeah. Um, I wanted to throw a shout-out to um, City by uh, Yoshihitake Amano. Um, he... this. Amano um, does most of the art for the Final Fantasy series. Mm-hmm. Um, City, in particular, is um, the main character of Final Fantasy VI, Tara Bradford, um, overlooking the city of Narsh. Um, it Which is, is the sidekick from Thundercats. <laughs> that's, that's. Please stab snarf. yourself in the eyes, Ben. <laughs> snarf! I don't want to talk about Snarf. <laughs> It's been a while since we talked about Snarf Carpet. We've never talked about it on pod. Have we? No. <laughs> I, could, I could have sworn it originated on pod. It did not. <laughs> okay. It did not. And I, this is all getting cut. It's a carpet made what out is, of Snarf. This whole episode's getting cut. <laughs> Any other paintings, guys, before I go off on mine? Oh, yeah. You've got 50, right? Uh, not 50. I've got a few. Okay. Um, I, I mean, honorable mention to... Uh, uh, anything by Rothko or Pollock. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like it is, they are very divisive in terms of art. Um, uh, Pollock, of course, you will remember as the painter who like splashed paintings, seeing a Pollock in real life is a much different experience than seeing it flattened on your screen. They are intensely complex, complex paintings. Um, a Rothko uh, Rothko is the color field um, painter. You mm-hmm. usually have seen these where it's just like a single square of a slightly darker hue of red than the background, and then maybe like a part of another square below it. Again, these are paintings that the internet does not do enough justice to. Seeing them in person is like a nice spiritual experience. Like, that's obviously a little um, little bit contentious, um, but a little bit snobbish, but um, just... They're, they're really important in the history of painting, even if you don't agree with the direction that art was taking at that time. Also, um, uh, Grand Jaté, uh, or Saturday Eve afternoon at the island of the Grand Jaté. It's the paint, the painting that, um, uh, in Ferris Bueller, Cameron, Cameron looks at in, in Ferris, Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Uh, it is probably one of the two paintings that plus, um, the Dali painting, uh, the processes of time that was responsible for getting me into art in the first place. Um, that's a pointless painting. And also again, something that really you can't have a lot of, you just, you just have to see it in person. Um, so go to Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's, it's exhibited in Chicago and do exactly what Cameron does. Just stare at, just stare at it and see where your eyes are drawn and see where your eyes are drawn. Take a step closer and eventually noticed that it was done by millions and millions of tiny little dots. Imagine how long it took to do that. Well, I'm going to take a second and brag. Uh, I once had a friend who uh, lived in a house that had uh, a Rembrandt. Uh, and that was really cool, uh, seeing a Rembrandt in, in real life. Uh, Wait, what? I'm the only person who got that <laughs> joke, Ben. I'm literally it. <laughs> so, uh, Ben's rhythmic clapping from 
Friends. The Friends theme song. Yes. Which is performed by a band known as the Rembrandts. Oh. But I, I also, I got to see an, an original Rembrandt, and it was, like, shocking. Uh, Ooh. It was so cool. Oh, I, um, <laughs> I touched a Degas painting once. Don't do that. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to. It was an accident. I just, like, got close enough to it, and my nose booped it, and then I was like, oh, fuck, I'm gonna go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then you woke up in the bunker. Yeah, but, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, is it Night Owls? What's the cafe painting? Mm. Oh, uh, Nighthawks. Nighthawks, yes. I always confuse it with, uh, Nightbird. Which is not a painting, but in fact a jazz song uh, <laughs> that uh, is only known because uh, Riker can't play it. Uh, Nighthawks. Nighthawks is a fascinating painting. Um, oh, fuck. I should have taken American Gothic. American Gothic is great. Uh, uh, I was tempted to go all Monet and take water lilies. You could have just taken five water lilies. I could have. Um and then one painting I was very fortunate to get to see, a paint, painter I had not heard of until uh, uh, Glorianne and I went and saw an exhibition. Uh, there was a Monet slash this artist uh, an exhibition, and I went for the Monet, and then I was exposed to Frederick Edwin Church. Oh, we went together for this. Yes. Yes, this was and, awesome. Uh, his painting, uh, Syria by the Sea, he does landscapes, and they are... Breathtaking. Yeah. Absolutely breathtaking. He does Um, this really weird, cool thing. I I think probably now it would seem a little, uh, maybe a little insensitive, but he would go to these places um, and he would mix and match elements in order to create really romantic paintings. He would put like classical Greek ruins atop cliffs that don't exist in Greece. Yeah. That kind of thing. So he's like essentially just imagining and creating his own thing. But he... Uh, especially the one painting of the moon or the sun. It was the, I think it was the moon. Um, I don't remember one of the yes, sun. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the moon. Uh, just very striking painter. Fantastic. And uh, his, his whole thing was, it is not a place here. It is this painting will give you the experience of having been here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, they are striking paintings. Uh, if you haven't looked up uh, today's Frederick episode. Edwin Church. Today's episode brought to you by the word striking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Astonishing. Ravishing. Excelsior. You know what else is striking? Our theme song? Our theme song, How It Feels, uh, provided to us by the Kickstand Band. You can find their music at thekickstandband.com. Thekickstandband.bandcamp.com? Or did they buy a new domain? Sorry, they didn't. (laughs) And feel free to shoot us an email at drafttheuniverse at gmail.com. Let us know some of your favorite paintings. And as always, join the conversation, facebook.com slash drafttheuniverse, on Twitter at drafttheverse. And we'll see you all there, where we will be posting pictures of these paintings after we release the draft episode. Mm -hmm. See you next week, Internet. Bonsoir.
I thought we were trying to cut back on the number of buttons, boys. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's we're warming up. We're warming yeah. up right now. Just because we warm up doesn't mean we have to put it in as a button, yeah. even if it's mildly funny. Hey, mildly fun- funny is our ceiling. <laughs> Let's not <laughs> cut our knees, cut ourselves off of the knees. <laughs> <clears throat> See, now that's the actual button. 